New Thinking Allowed, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Once again, I'm going to be interviewing myself, one of my favorite guests. You mean me. That's right. I mean you. This format is quite interesting because it gives me an opportunity to experience both the interviewer and the interviewee aspects of my own psyche. That's why I'm doing it. And today we're going to be talking about an unusual case of reincarnation. It's the case of Ong Tan. Now, it's a case that takes place in Burma, in a remote village in Burma called Dayai on the island of Balugyun. I'm showing you on the map where it is <laughs> in a very remote part of the world. And uh, to be honest, I am not familiar with Burmese names and Burmese, uh, the Burmese language at all. So I'm likely to be mangling or mispronouncing the names and the titles and the locations and such. But it's an important case, I think. Not because it's highly evidential. It's not considered a highly evidential case of reincarnation, but it highlights certain important features of reincarnation cases. And those features include the use of the announcing dream that takes place. I think this is very important because it ties in the whole Jungian notion of the collective unconscious and its relationship to the realm of the deceased, to the bardo planes, you might say, that uh, the deceased inhabit in between lifetimes. It also highlights the uh, very interesting biological aspects of reincarnation cases where the death wounds of the previous person are often reflected in birthmarks and birth defects of the uh, reincarnated individual. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you give me a little background on this case? In November of 1957, Ong Than was born in this remote village in, in Burma. Now, prior to his birth, his parents already had four daughters, and uh, they had also been living in the village for a long time, and they were very close friends with the village headman named U Ba Kyar. Now, U Ba Kyar uh, had been killed uh, about a year and a half or so prior to the birth of Ong Than. And uh, while, in fact, actually prior to the pregnancy, let me get the, the names correct now, Himwe is Ong Than's father, U Himwe, and his mother was Da Hnin Hyon. Now, each of them had dreams in which the uh, previous uh, personality, their friend, the village headman, Uba Kyar, came to them in the dreams after his death, but before the conception of Ong Than. And uh, they had these dreams on the very same day, but they were uh, not together at the time because Himwe, the father of Ong Than, had been traveling. So he was away from home. His wife, uh, had the dream 
first, apparently, and I'll explain why, because in the dream, Ubakyar, the deceased former headman of the village and their friend, came to her and he said, I'd like to be reborn in your family. And she said to him in the dream, she said, no, it's not a good idea because we're poor people and you are an important person. You were a wealthy person. You deserve better than us. Although they had been close friends and apparently at one point when he was alive, Ubakyar said, I'd like to be reborn in your family. Well, when the father, Himwe, U Himwe, returned from his travels, his wife, the uh, mother, Da Hinin On, uh, told him about her dream. And, and he said, you know, I had a similar dream at the same time. And in this dream, Ubakyar came to me and he said he had spoken to you and he had asked to be reborn in the family and you had turned him down. And in the dream, I said, no, it's fine. You can be reborn in our family. Interesting. Isn't that interesting how, how that works? Well, in Burma, it's customary that such dreams occur. And the Burmese people who are Buddhist generally accept reincarnation as a matter-of-fact thing. They don't make much of it as a matter-of-fact. However, when Ong Than was born, this is about 18 months or so after the murder of Ubakyar, he started at an early age, as soon as he could talk, age two years old, to begin to tell people that he was the incarnation of Ubakyar. And uh, it's something the parents had even forgotten about the dreams at that time. It's not as if they had been telling him since infancy that that's who he was. They didn't make much of it at all, and apparently Burmese people do not. But Ong Than began wandering over to the nearby house where Ubakyar had lived. His wife and his uh, daughters were still there. And uh, he said he liked the house. He wanted to go inside. He uh, wanted to see some of the former clothing. In fact, apparently, Ubakyar's wife said she would save <laughs> an item of clothing for him that he could wear when he gets older because he's a very young child at this point, three, four, five, six years old. And ironically, even though Ubakar's daughters were older than he was, he took a very fatherly attitude towards them as a young child being very concerned about their welfare. He also had a lot to say about Ubakar's life and his death. And he was born with some severe birth uh, defects. I'm going to show you, for example, here's a picture of his hands. They're severely deformed. Uh, it's a condition actually resembling leprosy, and it made it very hard for him to find employment because people uh, didn't, he, he couldn't have a job where he was in front of the public because he was so deformed. At least that was the attitude back then. It's interesting, the reincarnation researchers helped him to get a job as a night watchman because it was very hard for him to find work. But, um, in his memories, 
He explained that he, he had vivid memories of Ubakyar's murder. And I'll explain what happened. You see, Ubakyar was what is known in Burma as the head man of the village. And he apparently may have even been a little arrogant and perhaps a little thoughtless because he began to develop a conflict with a another villager there, Upotai. And Upotai was apparently engaged in some illegal activity, and Ubakyar called him out on it publicly in front of everybody, said, you're going to have to stop it or I'm going to have you arrested. Uh, the researchers, Ian Stevenson, published this case. There's a very lengthy description of it in this book, Reincarnation and Biology. And they note that this was a mistake Ubakyar made. You don't threaten somebody publicly like that unless you plan to arrest them immediately. Because what happened is that Upotai slipped out of town and he joined the insurgents. There was an insurgency going on. This is 1956. And uh, there were a couple of elements to the insurgency. There were communist insurgents, but in this village, in this remote island town of uh, Dayai, uh, they uh, they were uh, a minority group known as the Mon. They had their own special language even. And uh, so the Mon wanted independence for their uh, minority. And they were sort of in alignment kind of with the communists. And in any case, Upotai left the village and he joined these insurgents. And then shortly after he joined the insurgents, the insurgents came into the village early one morning while everyone was asleep and they kidnapped about 30 individuals. In fact, they were carefully selected to be the wealthiest individuals in the village. Apparently, the idea was that they were going to hold them for ransom and that's exactly what they did do. So, some Weeks later, they sent a notice to the families. You want your family member back, you've got to pay a ransom. And uh, of the 30 people they had kidnapped, uh, including some women, uh, all but three were uh, ransomed and returned. Three of them were murdered. And U and, and Ubakyar was one who was murdered. And uh, Ong Than, uh, had described this murder in great detail. He explained, as a matter of fact, that each of his birth defects, including the tongue, I'm showing you a picture now. You can't see it very easily, but it's as if he has a cleft tongue and a cleft lower lip. And he says that's because before he was murdered, they cut out his tongue. And it was Upotai who did it. Uh, who uh, said to him as he cut out the tongue, you talk too much. And he knocked his teeth out because he had gold fillings in the teeth. And he says, you won't be needing these anymore. And, and he cut them. His hands, as he held his hands up in supplication, he had a sword. Please don't kill me. He cut the fingers off of the hands. And uh, he was standing on a uh, an embankment near a river, like a cliff overlooking the river. He got pushed down, but his foot got caught, so he cut the foot. And then Ubakyar fell into the river and drowned. 
And of course, he wasn't able to fight back because of all the wounds he had suffered at that time. Plus, he had been really kept on a starvation diet while he had been kidnapped. Now, the researchers actually went to the village. There was a reincarnation researcher named Wu Win Mong who uh, first learned about this case in 1972. In 1977, Ian Stevenson, the great reincarnation researcher from the University of Virginia, former chair of the psychiatry department there, visited the family in 1977, interviewed witnesses. And Wu Win Mong went back in 1985. They interviewed Ong Tan. And uh, I have to tell you, if you read these reports, they are incredibly scrupulous. They're not trying to color the evidence to make it seem like, oh, yes, this is reincarnation. Anytime there is a discrepancy between the report they got when they interviewed in 1972, 1977, 1985, any discrepancies, even tiny little discrepancies between the uh, report of the various witnesses are all laid out very carefully. Every statement that Ong Tan made concerning his past life memories was written down, checked against what other witnesses could say. If it couldn't be verified, they're very clear. You can't, they couldn't verify it. And in this particular instance, most of the information was not evidential in the sense that it either couldn't be verified or it was information that could be obtained by normal means. Because as a matter of fact, Ubakyar's home was not far from the uh, family of Ong Than to begin with. But they report a few interesting things. For example, they interviewed many of the villagers who were, had been hostages, who had been kidnapped by the insurgents. The villagers reported that, yes, as Ong Than had remembered, three of them had been taken aside and executed, although they didn't know who did the executions. They didn't know how they were done. And although there was good reason to suggest, good reason to suggest that it was Upotai who killed Ubakyar uh, because of their public dispute and because Upotai was among the insurgents, there's no evidence directly implicating him in the murder. And I have to say this, there's another interesting element sociologically going on here in this kind of a situation. You had an insurgency going on. You had people murdered. You had the government offering amnesty to the insurgents. And eventually what happened is that Upotai returned to the village. At the same time, everybody in the village seemed to know that Ong Than claimed to be the newly incarnated, incarnated the newly incarnated Uba Kyar. However, Ong Than's family moved to Rangoon. Now I think it's called Yangon. Rangoon, the uh, major city of, of Burma. And it was only after that that Upo Tai moved back to the village. But uh, when they interviewed all of the uh, 
people who had been kidnapped, they were hesitant to talk. They were concerned, you know, what's going on? These outsiders are coming in. And it was only because Ong Thang's father, Himwe, uh, was with them and he spoke the Mon language and he assured people that, you know, nothing bad is going to happen to you because you talk to these outsiders. And so they talked about what it was like for them having been kidnapped and then ransomed and how Uba Kyar had, had been uh, executed. So, uh, at least several of them were willing to talk about it because they had this connection with a member of their own ethnic group who vouched for them. Now, on the other hand, Uba Kyar's wife and daughter were very hesitant to talk to the reincarnation researchers. The truth of the matter is that they dissimulated, they claimed that they didn't know Ong Thang, that, that they uh, were, had no idea what this was about at all, which, uh, of course, went against the testimony of Ong Thang's own, own parents who said, wait a second, we were great friends. And Ong Thang, as a young child, visited their house all the time and took a very fatherly interest in Ubakyar's daughters. So, Ian Stevenson speculates, and he's clear it's a speculation at this point, uh, but it seems reasonable that what was going on is that the mother and daughter of the deceased Ubakyar, who had been the village headman and one of the wealthy people in that village, were afraid that Ong Thang's claim to be the reincarnated Ubakyar meant that he was going to place a claim on their property, on whatever wealth had been left to them. And that's why they, they were um, claiming they didn't know anything about this child or, and so on. Well, that is a very interesting history. Uh, but what became of Ong Thang? I, I know that many cases of reincarnation, uh, the young child has the memories, but by the age of seven, eight, nine, ten, the memories begin to fade. In Ong Thang's case, the memories lasted uh, well into his adulthood. In 1985, when the researcher when Mong, when the researcher Win Mong visited uh, with Ong Thang, he still remembered everything. And uh, there are some interesting aspects to this case. For example, he had a great hostility as a young man and as even as a boy, as a 12-year-old child, uh, for example, he had great hostility to Upo Tai, who he believed had killed Ubakyar. And not only believed it, he had vivid memories in detail just how the execution took place and how that affected his own birth defects. And an interesting event occurred. It would have been about um, 1969. Uh, he was 12 years old. The family had already moved away to Rangoon, but they went back to visit. And he was taken with his mother, Da Hnen On and on a train. And they're at the train station and who should they run into but Upo Tai, who the mother knew. 
And uh, the mother engages in some friendly conversation with him. The young boy, Ong Thong, 12 years old, is incensed, says, why are you talking to him? He is a bad man. He killed me. He holds up his hands and shows them to Upotai, and he says, you did this. You cut off my hands. Upotai doesn't understand what's taking place at, at this point. He uh, hadn't been living in the village during the time when Ong Thang, when everyone in the village knew that Ong Thang claimed to be Ubakyar, <laughs> when he claimed to be Ubakyar. And, and so he offers him some money and Ong Thang says, money isn't going to bring my hands back. And he refuses the money and he gets really angry and he tells his mother, you go get that policeman over there. You arrest this man. He killed me. And the mother refused to do that. And then Ong Thang goes and grabs some rocks. The 12-year-old kid wants to throw rocks at this man who he believes killed him in his previous lifetime. And he is restrained. He isn't able to do that. Well, later on in 1985, when Win Mong, who Win Mong, the reincarnation researcher, goes back once again to the village, he's now secured a job for Ong Thong as a night watchman. And Ong Thong has held down that job. And he asks him, well, how are you doing? How do you feel? And this is very interesting. He remembers still at the age of 28, which is unusual. Mostly, as you point out, these children do lose their memories. But he said, yes, I remember what happened, but I no longer feel the need to punish that man. And when Mong asked him, well, why is that? And he said, I guess I've matured. And at this point, Ian Stevenson in the book makes a comment. He says, you know, this reminds me of the definition of maturity. And that is to be able to endure suffering without the desire to inflict suffering on others. Well, that's a beautiful case story. It certainly exemplifies the potency of dreams, the relationship between dreams and the uh, uh, interaction with the deceased. It exemplifies, uh, of course, what seems to be in terms of the birthmarks and the emotion and uh, many behavioral symptoms to be a, a, a strong case for reincarnation, but not as strong as many others where detailed information comes through. And it's also an important case because of the birth defects and the relationship of those defects to the memories of the tragic death of the previous person, even though the researchers were never able in this instance to validate the uh, nature of that death, how it occurred, and, and whether the uh, death wounds really uh, occurred as described by Ong Thang. Nevertheless, a most fascinating case. So thank you for being with me. And for those of you watching, for those of you watching, thank you for being with us.